Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20-Minute Books, we're diving into the compelling narrative of Outgrowing God by renowned evolutionary biologist and author Richard Dawkins. Published in 2019, this book invites us to reevaluate the foundations of faith and presents a case for embracing atheism. Dawkins meticulously dissects religious texts, highlighting inconsistencies and historical inaccuracies, particularly in the Bible, to question their validity as moral compasses and agents of truth. He contends that, for the richness of life and our intricate world, science holds the answers, most notably through the theory of evolution by natural selection. As a fellow of the Royal Society and former holder of the esteemed Charles Simon Yee Professorship for the Public Understanding of Science at Oxford University, Dawkins is an authoritative voice in the domains of ethology and evolutionary biology. His profound insights, previously shared in best-selling works such as The Selfish Gene, The God Delusion, and The Magic of Reality, are once again set to provoke thought and challenge long-held beliefs. Outgrowing God beckons agnostics who are on the fence about their beliefs, inviting them to contemplate a world without divine beings. It's also geared toward religious individuals curious about the atheistic perspective, as well as atheists desiring to fortify their arguments against belief in a deity. This exploration of godless existence through a scientific lens stands as a testament to Dawkins's argument that we have, indeed, outgrown God. Join us as we unfold the intricacies of Dawkins's reasoning and his persuasive argument for a secular worldview. Outgrowing God, a Beginner's Guide Introduction, Taking a Step Beyond Belief The Atheist Perspective on God's Existence Across the globe, humans engage in a diverse array of religious practices that are rooted in the belief in supernatural beings. Whether it's the stories of gods and miracles or celebrations and rites, these myriad beliefs form a tapestry that tells us much about our shared human history and culture. At the same time, debates about the existence of a divine being and the purpose of religion in society have persisted for centuries. One such voice in this debate comes from Richard Dawkins, a prominent evolutionary biologist and atheist. Dawkins is known for his persuasive arguments that scrutinize religious beliefs through the lens of science and reason, offering alternatives to traditional religious narratives. In Outgrowing God, Dawkins sets out to challenge the cornerstone claims of the world's major religions with scientific rigor and thoughtful analysis. By examining the foundations of belief structures and contrasting them with scientific knowledge, Dawkins invites us to consider the possibility that the concept of God might be an outdated relic of our evolutionary past. Listeners will explore the reasons why sacred texts may not be reliable accounts of truth, the pitfalls of seeking moral direction from a divine entity, and the way the theory of evolution provides a compelling explanation for the complexity and diversity of life. By venturing through this intellectual landscape, we can engage with Dawkins' arguments on the nature of belief, the origin of moral values, and the wonders of the natural world. All while questioning what we think we know about God. Part 1. The Diversity of Deities 
a consequence of culture, not conviction. Think of the most powerful character you can imagine, a being who knows everything, can do anything, and is present everywhere. This is what many picture when they think of the word God. It's a concept deeply embedded in the big three monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. For believers, this deity stands alone at the pinnacle of divine hierarchy. But now, let's take a step back. This seemingly singular deity is not an isolated case. Cast an eye over the span of human history and a colorful panorama comes into view, consisting of thousands of gods worshipped in every corner of the world, from the Vikings with their pantheon including the wise Wotan and the mighty Thor, to ancient Greece where gods like Zeus and Aphrodite played out epic dramas. It's clear there's no shortage of gods in human culture. In fact, even the sun, our life-giving star, has a myriad of deities dedicated to it alone. Aniwanwu, Mawu, Ngai, Bila, Wala, Karuar. These are just a handful of the sun gods whose names echo through various cultures, from African traditions to Australian Aboriginal beliefs. So, this raises a question. Why do the gods worshipped by people seem so heavily influenced by geography and history? Well, it turns out that the religion you practice often isn't a matter of choice or divine revelation. Instead, it's a matter of birthplace and era. If you had been born in Viking times or into an Aboriginal Australian family, the deities you'd revere and the myths you'd recount would be entirely different. Given this immense diversity, certainty in the absolute truth of any one religion becomes increasingly tenuous. If each faith system is but one option among thousands, what makes yours irrefutably correct? The truth is, blind faith in your religion may be as arbitrary as a roll of cosmic dice. Influenced more by the spoonfuls of cultural heritage fed to you from birth than by any divine ordinance. Holy books, revered in many religions for their sacred teachings when scrutinized, often reveal less divine insight and more human fingerprint. These texts, rather than being infallible guides to the cosmos, are perhaps better seen as rich pieces of our human anthology, bearing the hallmarks of fallibility that remind us of their earthly authors. Part 2 the mirage of sacred texts, questioning their claims to truth. Imagine a tale whispered into the ear of one person and then passed down a line through hushed voices, only to emerge at the end as something barely recognizable. This classic game of telephone helps illustrate the journey many sacred texts have traversed before reaching their final, written forms. Consider the Bible, a foundational book for many, especially Christians. It is an anthology of stories, many of which were transmitted orally for generations before they met ink and parchment. Yet this has led to a dilemma. The risk of misinterpretation and alteration over time is substantial, casting doubt on their exactitude. Take, for example, the New Testament and its Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life and teachings. The Gospel, according to Mark, considered to be the earliest, was penned some three to four decades subsequent to Jesus' death. With each retelling over those forty years, details could have shifted, leaving us with a narrative that is more interpretative than documentary. The Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures from which the Old Testament derives, is equally subject to skepticism. 
Not only was much of its content written centuries after the described events, but the veracity of some of those events is without supporting archaeological evidence. Events such as the significant captivity of the Jewish people in Egypt leave no trace or record outside the biblical narrative. Given that whole nations leave archaeological footprints, the absence of evidence draws the biblical account into question. Moreover, the presence of small but telling anachronisms within these holy texts points to the likelihood of errors and additions. The Old Testament, for example, attributes camel ownership to the figure of Abraham, yet we know through archaeological finds that domesticated camels appeared much later than Abraham's time. These inconsistencies and the shaky timelines of these texts ask us to consider. If the stories in the Bible and other holy books cannot be fully trusted to narrate historical facts accurately, can they be relied upon as proofs of a deity's existence? As we examine these once-considered pillars of incontrovertible truth, it seems our collective faith may rest on foundations far less firm than previously believed. Part 3. Questioning the Morality of a Biblical God Picture a scene where familial trust meets divine command, resulting in an agonizing moral dilemma. This is encapsulated in the biblical tale where Abraham is commanded to sacrifice his son as a testament to his faith. While ultimately, the sacrifice is halted by divine intervention, the troubling nature of divine tests such as these set a disconcerting precedent for morality within these scriptures. Moving from potential sacrifice to tragic fulfillment, the story of Jephthah unfolds, another distressing episode from the Old Testament. This Israelite general made a fateful vow that led to the harrowing fate of his own daughter upon his victorious return. Unlike Abraham, Jephthah received no reprieve from above, leading us to question the justice of a deity that would accept such a grim offering. Such stories are not merely isolated incidents within the biblical narrative. There are accounts that depict the God of the Bible encouraging wholesale slaughter during the conquest of the Promised Lands. Interities of tribes, including children and infants, were commanded to be put to the sword, sparing only virgin girls who faced a fate not much better than death. In modern parlance, these divine instructions would be unequivocally condemned as atrocities. They starkly contrast with today's universally accepted moral principles such as protecting innocence and condemning violence against children and sexual assault. Considering these stark discrepancies, it becomes clear that the moral compass provided by these ancient texts does not align with contemporary ethical standards. If we seek a model for moral behavior, perhaps we should divert our gaze from these troubling divine portrayals. A moral guide we would aspire to follow should embody the totality of our evolved understanding of humanity and compassion, qualities that seem markedly absent in these scriptural episodes. Therefore, we might do well to search for moral guidance that reflects a deeper and more universally compassionate understanding of right and wrong. Part 4. Morality's Evolution Why We Outgrow Outdated Doctrines Once upon a time, markets bustled with the most ghastly of transactions. Human beings bought and sold as property. In those days, the savage institution of slavery was a reality, as was the drastic subjugation of women's rights and personhood. Fast forward to today, and our moral landscape has undergone a seismic shift, 
slavery is universally condemned, and women's rights are acknowledged as a fundamental aspect of a fair society. Look back at the pages of history, and it is clear that morality is not a static concept, fixed in stone and unchanging. In Britain, for instance, women spent centuries fighting for the right to vote, a struggle that didn't see victory until 1928. Even more shockingly, it wasn't until 1971 that Swiss women could cast their ballots. As recently as the early 21st century, Saudi Arabia finally acknowledged women's suffrage. Yet these advancements did not occur in a vacuum. They took shape in the face of religious doctrines that often depicted a worldview in which human beings, slaves and women in particular, were far from being considered equals. The Bible, for example, places a man's wife alongside his material possessions, indicative of a perspective in which women's autonomy was given little thought. The Quran, too, reflects a time and context where women's rights were severely limited, a sentiment that lingers in some traditionalist societies today. So what does this tell us about the guiding principles found within holy books? The truth is, they house a morality that speaks more of their time than of eternal truths. If we were to cling rigidly to these texts for our moral guidance, we'd find ourselves endorsing acts that are now unconscionable, from child harm to treating women as chattel. Sadly, the dark legacy of historical prejudices rooted in these doctrines has bled into modern times. Consider the deep-seated anti-Semitism that fueled the horrors of the Holocaust. The vilification of Jews bolstered by biblical narratives was twisted into a vile ideological tool by figures like Adolf Hitler to rationalize the unconscionable. From this, one could argue that holy texts are far from the moral compasses they are often considered to be. Wisdom and goodness come not from ancient verses, but from the faculties within us, reason and empathy. It is through these uniquely human qualities that we can navigate the shifting sands of morality and strive to create a world that reflects our deepening understanding of justice, equality, and compassion. Part 5. Life's Intricate Tapestry, Woven by DNA, Not Divine Hands Let's unravel the mystery of existence, not from celestial realms, but from the microscopic world within us. Traditionally, life has been viewed as a masterpiece, skillfully crafted by a divine being in a celestial atelier. But what if life's complexity is more akin to the work of countless invisible artisans, each following simple instructions, adding mud to a termite mound? The architecture of those mounds is no less sophisticated than our towering skyscrapers. Yet they arise not from detailed blueprints, but from the collective behavior of termites adhering to instinctive patterns. This concept, known as bottom-up design, reveals a profound parallel with how life on Earth develops. At the heart of every living organism lies DNA, a molecular manual full of instructions. This code does not dictate every detail from above, but rather sets in motion a myriad of processes that, through simple repetitive rules, give rise to the diverse array of life we see around us. Our very genes, the vessels of inheritance, are strands of this DNA. To visualize life's inception, picture a single cell, an embryo inside a womb. This solitary unit splits into two, then four, 
eight, and so on, in a dance choreographed by DNA's cue to divide. Following this deceptively simple directive, a complex organism eventually emerges, be it termite, tulip, or human. This process of development is a stark contrast to the top-down narrative spun by many doctrines. There's no grand blueprint or cosmic drafting table where a god sketches out the details of life's intricate creatures. Instead, life burgeons through countless cycles of cellular division, all driven by DNA's encoded whispers. In this perspective, the miraculous isn't found in divine intervention, but in the awe-inspiring way life emerges from the sum of many small actions and interactions, a symphony where every note, though perhaps modest on its own, builds towards the grand crescendo that is the living world. Part 6. Adaptation and Evolution The Shaping Forces Behind Earth's Diversity The layers we don to face the changing weather are but a faint echo of the magnificent unfolding of life on Earth. As creatures meet the challenges of diverse environments, they do far more than Donoshid's simple attire. They transform over countless generations into forms that echo their surroundings in a process guided by evolution. This grand narrative of change reveals itself in countless tales from the natural world. Consider the peculiar journey of certain seafloor-dwelling fish. With their bodies pressed against the sandy bottom, some species like skates and rays have always been adapted to this flat existence. Other fish, such as place, sole, and flounder, tell a different evolutionary story. Once swimming upright in open waters, they took to the seafloor's flat embrace, which posed a peculiar dilemma, one eye faced down into the abyss. Nature's solution? Through a slow, patient dance of adaptation, their skulls twisted, bringing both eyes skyward. The remarkable variations among these species bear witness to the evolutionary paths they have carved. Charles Darwin illuminated this process, celebrating the intricate ways organisms evolve over eons, honing their forms to better suit their habitats. Skates and rays, elegant in their flat symmetry, trace their lineage to ancestors that glided parallel to the ocean's floor from the start. No eye migration necessary. Place, sole and flounder, on the other hand, bear the marks of their ancestors' vertical swim, their contorted skulls a testament to the transformative power of evolution. Through these tales of adaptation, we come to understand that the vast tapestry of life was not spun overnight by a divine hand. Instead, it was woven slowly, each thread drawn out and dyed by the relentless yet creative force of evolution. It is a story not of purposeful design from above, but one of resilience and change from within the very fabric of life. Part 7. Natural Selection The Sculptor of Extraordinary Beings There's a certain splendor in witnessing the raw elegance of a cheetah in pursuit, muscles flexing, paws thundering against the savannah, an embodiment of nature's grand design, or so it seems. From such magnificence we're tempted to infer the touch of an intelligent designer, a creator capable of conceiving a being so expertly tuned for its role. Yet, every organism, from the regal cheetah to the simplest bacterium, is a marvel of improbability so intricate and well-adapted 
that attributing their complexity to mere chance seems insufficient. It's tempting to picture a celestial draftsman sketching each feature with intention. But what if I told you that these beings are the fruits of a process as impartial as the wind? Here lies the pivot upon which our understanding of life turns. Natural selection, the core concept of Charles Darwin's grand theory, evolution itself. Evolutionary progression doesn't stem from the wholesale mix-up of parts in a haphazard fashion. If that were the case, we might indeed end up with a bizarrely configured cheetah, unlike anything prowling our Earth. Instead, imagine evolution proceeding through incremental, barely discernible steps. A cheetah cub is born with claws just a fraction longer than its kin. This slight anomaly, the result of a genetic mutation, passes under the radar of drastic change but holds within it the seeds of advantage. Mutations in genes occur spontaneously, with most leading nowhere, or worse, they hinder survival. But on the rare occasions they confer a benefit, like longer claws granting better traction for the pursuit, they can be a game changer. The cheetah born with this attribute is now slightly more adept at survival, more likely to succeed in the wild and pass on its advantageous mutation. Through natural selection, organisms with beneficial mutations are nudged forward, gradually shaping a species to better fit the niches it occupies. This ancient, ceaseless force is indiscriminate, favoring only that which works, discarding that which doesn't. No divine overseer, no master plan, just an elegant dance of life and change. So next time you marvel at the impossible beauty of a cheetah or the complex simplicity of a bacterium, Remember that these wonders of life are not the products of celestial artistry. Rather, they are crafted by the relentless, creative power of natural selection, working across the eons, endlessly honing the improbability that is existence. Part 8. The evolutionary roots of our superstitious and religious inclinations envision the early humans foraging in the vast, untamed wilderness of ancient Africa. The soft sound of swaying grass could signal a gentle breeze or, more worryingly, a stealthy predator. For our ancestors, the cost of mistaking one for the other could be life or death. Choosing to flee at the slightest hint of danger was a survival tactic that gave birth to an evolutionary trait, pattern recognition. This very trait that nudged our ancestors away from potential threats also planted the seeds for superstition and religiosity. The human knack for detecting patterns, an invaluable asset on those ancient savannas, has also led us to see connections where none exists. Take early human societies, where the health and survival of children hung in a delicate balance. Imagine the moment when a child recovers from an illness, shortly after a ritual, say the sacrifice of a bull. To our pattern-trained minds, it might seem that the sacrifice swayed the scales. Thus, with correlation mistaken for causation, superstitious behaviors are born. Yet, this susceptibility to superstitious belief isn't unique to us. Even pigeons, with significantly simpler cognitive machinery, demonstrate such behavior. The famous psychologist B.F. Skinner observed pigeons randomly awarded with food, developing repetitive behaviors that they erroneously believed would bring about their next meal. The birds' behaviors evolved from chance coincidences, 
the random timing of an action and the arrival of food, leading them to establish unfounded routines. Similarly, humans, propelled by an instinct for recognizing patterns, may engage in religious rituals or superstitious practices which, in essence, are sophisticated versions of the pigeon's repetitive pecks. Our capacity to weave complex narratives around these patterns has given rise to rich supernatural traditions and religions throughout human history. This tendency towards belief beyond what is seen and tangible likely spurred from our evolutionarily hardwired alertness, an alertness that once ensured our survival. But, as intelligent beings capable of critical thinking and rational analysis, there comes a point where we must reevaluate our adherence to these primal instincts. As we evolve in understanding and knowledge, it becomes possible, even imperative, to transcend the ancient patterns that once served us but now might mislead. It is within our grasp to shed the vestiges of superstition and engage with the world through a more enlightened lens, a lens that values evidence and reason. Final Summary The final takeaway from our journey is a call for skepticism and scientific inquiry. Through the lens of evolutionary biology and the examination of religious texts, Richard Dawkins invites us to question the existence of a divine creator. He challenges us to consider the flaws, inconsistencies, and immorality that can be found within the very scriptures that define many of the world's religions. Dawkins argues that our predisposition to believe in a God is not a signal of divine truth, but rather a byproduct of evolutionary advantages that once favored pattern seeking behavior and caution in the face of the unknown. This primitive instinct, while advantageous in the wild, has evolved into a more complex form of superstition that is the foundation of religious belief. As we dig deeper into the natural world, we discover that the intricate dance of life, the birth of new species, and the development of complex organisms is not the craftsmanship of a top-down designer, but the bottom-up impact of genetic mutations and natural selection. The improbable existence of the cheetah, the intricacy of DNA, and the instinctive construction of a termite mound. None of these require divine explanation. Instead, they are the products of evolution, a process that continually shapes life in response to environmental demands. In the end, Dawkins asserts that the modern human, gifted with a capacity for reason and critical thought, is ready to transcend ancient superstitions and embrace a worldview grounded in evidence and logic. For in the grand tapestry of existence, it is humankind's relentless quest for understanding, not the invocation of a god, that continues to illuminate our path forward. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.